My subject for your consideration tonight is your prayer personality. Um, I've never taught on this until last week and taught on it a couple of times since last week, and I want to teach on it here tonight. Um, I have a lot to learn when it comes to prayer, um, I think more than in any other area of ministry. Um, one thing I've learned about prayer in the church is that no matter how much we preach about prayer, it's probably never enough. No matter how much we teach about prayer, it's probably never enough. And no matter how much we pray, it's probably never enough. Uh, see, as far as pastors are concerned, our job isn't just to pray ourselves and hope you all get it by osmosis. Our job is to stir up praying among God's people. That's our job. The Bible does not say if the pastor will pray. The Bible does not say if the leaders will pray. The Bible says if my people will pray. That's what the Bible says. Second Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So that is the challenge of every apostolic pastor and every apostolic church. Our number one job is to get as many people as we can praying as consistently, as fervently, as faithfully, and as effectively as possible. And can I just tell you from this chair, it takes a lot of effort to get people praying and keep people praying in any church, in any church, not just our church, in any churches. And the devil will fight your prayer life stronger, harder, and faster than he will fight any other part of your Christian life because he knows if we can get churches praying and keep churches praying, God will respond to our prayers and God will do what only he can do. God can do in one moment what you cannot do in a whole lifetime. But here's the problem. Those moments of the miraculous only happen if the church Praise. Somebody say, if. If my people. We did a little series last year called If, and in that series I mentioned this to you. There are 1,595 ifs in the Bible, in the King James Version of the English Bible. Most of those ifs are what we would call conditional conjunctions. They are on the front end of God's promises. If we meet the condition, then God delivers on the promise. So many times, all that stands between right now and the future, between your current dilemma and your future miracle, is one little if. One little if. If my people will pray. So if might just be the biggest word in the Bible. Jesus used the word if all the time. More than 40% of the ifs in the New Testament are found in the four gospels that tell his story. 248 out of 602 ifs. They're Jesus talking to us. And Jesus always puts the if on our side of the equation, never on God's side of the equation. If we will, then he will. But although Jesus often talked, about what would happen if we believe when we pray or if we obey when we pray or if we persevere when we pray. Not one time did Jesus ever say, 
if you pray. Because Jesus didn't leave prayer up to an if. Jesus said, when you pray. Look at this, Matthew 6, verse 5. When thou prayest. Don't be like the hypocrites are. Don't just pray to be seen. Don't just pray to put on a show. Don't just pray when you're at church. Don't just pray to pretend to be spiritual or to pretend to have your act together. Pray and really pray when you pray pray. And the New Testament exhorts us to pray occasionally, but it always expects us to pray. Jesus said, Luke 18, 1, he spoke a parable and his parable made this point that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Ephesians 6, 18, Paul said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. We talked about the word supplication five weeks ago in service. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. Now that can't mean always staying on your knees. That can't mean always talking to God directly. But there is an attitude of prayer. There is a lifestyle of prayer. There is some kind of place that you can get to where your prayer is consistently going on. It's like an ongoing everyday conversation with God. Prayer shouldn't only happen when you do your personal devotion in the morning. Prayer definitely should not only happen when you walk in the church house. Prayer should happen when you're walking around your day and when you see something or feel something or God lays somebody on your heart. You need to be willing to stop, kind of get off to the side somewhere, kind of get alone for a moment and just talk to Jesus about what's going on in your day. If my people will pray, that's Old Testament. But Jesus said, when my people pray, that's New Testament. God expects us to pray. In that little series we did last year, I asked you five questions. These aren't original with me. They actually came from Pastor Terry Shock. Here are the five questions. When am I praying? Where am I praying? Who am I praying for? What am I praying for and why am I praying? And if none of those questions have a specific good answer, then you are not praying. If it's not specific enough to have a time and a place, a person that you're praying for, a thing that you're praying for, and if you're not praying for a biblical reason, it's not really prayer. Those are tough questions, but they're important. So I want to talk to you tonight briefly about something that I hope will help you figure out your personal prayer life, specifically your prayer personality, because we're all different. Have you noticed that? Okay, I got a little chuckle from about four people. Has anybody noticed that we're kind of different one from the other? Okay, come on, now think with me. You're sitting beside your spouse. Think. Has anybody noticed we're really different one from the other? So we all kind of pray differently and we all interact differently with God and with each other. So I want to give you something that I, it's helpful to me, I hope it will be helpful to you, but it doesn't matter. What I'm about to teach you doesn't matter unless you turn if you pray into when you pray. Until it's a when you pray, it doesn't matter about the technique. Because you don't learn to pray by studying prayer. You don't learn to pray by reading books about prayer. You don't learn to pray by watching other people pray, even on Friday night at CCC. 
You can watch other people pray. That's not going to teach you how to pray. You will not learn how to pray by listening to other people pray, and you definitely won't learn how to pray by eavesdropping on other people when they pray. That just weirds them out. And you don't learn to pray by watching prayer, by listening to prayer, by discussing prayer, or even by preaching or teaching about prayer. You only learn to pray by doing what? By praying. The same as you only really learn to ride a bike by riding a bike. Prayer's personal. Nearly every Christian feels like they're not doing it right. They're not doing it as good as they should. They're not doing it as good as somebody else or the big one. They're not getting the results they should be getting when they pray. Here it is. Those feelings are perfectly normal. In fact, everybody in this room If you're trying to serve God and develop a prayer life, you've felt some of those feelings. I'm not doing this right. I'm not doing it as good as somebody else. Somebody else gets more results from their prayer. Those feelings are normal. Let me give you the 411 on your feelings. Ignore them. Always ignore your defeatist, discouraging, depressing feelings. If you've got a feeling that says, I might as well give up, ignore it and keep on going. If you've got a feeling that says, I might as well not even try, ignore it and keep on trying. If you've got a feeling that says, I don't know if I'm doing this right, I might as well not pray, ignore that feeling and pray anyway. Because when you keep practicing prayer, prayer becomes a habit. The greatest enemy of your prayer life is not the devil. It's distraction. You can distract yourself out of your prayer life way faster than the devil can tempt you out of your prayer life. The early church, they had it together in so many ways. And one of the ways they had it together was the early church didn't just have a prayer meeting. They were a prayer meeting. And uh, it shouldn't be that we have to push to get into a spirit of prayer. There are a lot of churches where prayer is a formality that they do at the beginning and at the end, but we're not one of those churches. This is an apostolic church. Anytime you're given the liberty to pray, anytime you're given the opportunity to pray, there should be something in you as a child of God that even though you do it a little imperfectly, you just want to try, you just want to reach, you just want to interact with God. So why don't we try that for about 30 seconds? Would you just lift up your hand and your voice and would you just talk to Jesus? I'm not talking about a mindless, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. No, I'm talking about Jesus, I'm here. I want to learn. Jesus, I'm here. I want to do better in this. Jesus, I'm here. And I've got a person on my heart tonight and I just want to mention their name one more time because I'm a person of prayer. I might not be a perfect person of prayer, but I'm a person of prayer. Now, I don't know how far we'll go with this tonight. I don't know how many uh, Wednesday nights we may even spend on this. We, we may come back next week even and, and, and try some. But I, I want to talk about your prayer personality. <laughs> some people say, I don't have any personality. And some of those people, you suspect they're right. But really, everybody does have a personality, Okay. So I, I want to do this. It's been eons since uh, I've done this. I think we did it a, on a, as an elective class on a Wednesday night at some point. 
Um, and if you've never done this, it's kind of interesting. If you've done this, you already know where we're going. But, but let me do this as quickly as I humanly can, okay? Um, if you um, can just help me here, I, I want to give you a little test on a Wednesday night in Bible study. And, uh, but you're going to pass. That's the good part. As long as you participate, you pass. You get a mark just for playing the game, okay? Imagine with me uh, two lines that intersect, a vertical and a horizontal, and I want you to put uh, two dots on those lines in your brain or on your paper, or if you've got a pen and no paper, you can write it on the back of your hand. It might come in useful tomorrow. Here we go. Uh, if you could imagine this vertical line, I, I want you to imagine two words. On the top of the vertical line is the word tasks, things you have to do, uh, your job, uh, to-do list, whatever that is, things that you have to do, tasks. And at the bottom of the vertical line, I want you to imagine the uh, word relationships because some people are highly task-oriented and some people are highly relationship-oriented. Uh, personally, I'm highly task-oriented. Uh, I operate by to-do lists and calendars and, and all of that kind of business. That's my life. I'm task-oriented. If you ever see me walking through the foyer and I walk by you, through you, or bump into you and don't notice you, it's because I've got a task on my mind. I'm highly task-oriented. Uh, don't take offense to that. Just think, it's him. He's got a, a psychological issue. He's task-oriented. I will think to come back around and greet you later because then greeting you will be my No, not really. <laughs> now, other people, they're not task-oriented at all. They're relationship-oriented. And uh, we have a wonderful, wonderful pastor here whose name is Pastor Jack, and he is relationship-oriented. He just bleeds pastor all over everybody. That's how I describe him. He's wonderful. And... Uh, He's also sitting over there, so I can't talk about him very much. But if he wasn't here, I'd talk about him a lot. But anyway, he's relationship-oriented. Um, and so uh, he and I have interesting conversations every once in a while, a while about task-oriented versus relationship-oriented. And, and but everybody has that. Now, if you'd participate, uh, how many of you are task-oriented? Would you lift your hand? You, you, that's your primary. You focus on tasks. Would you lift your hand real high? Okay. And, and how many of you are more relationship-oriented? Would you lift your hand real high? How many of you noticed that your spouse lifted their hand on something different than you? Would you lift your hand real high? I rest my case. You know the saying, opposites. Until two weeks after the honeymoon, then opposites attack. Okay, so uh, that's not the only thing we have to, to deal with. Uh, tasks and relationships. On the horizontal line, I want you to uh, imagine these two words, um, quick and slow, or in this politically correct climate, quick and relaxed, okay? Um, you don't call people slow anymore. So, so quick and slow. Um, so, so some people are just like, go, 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 and they talk fast and they do things. Now, they might be task-oriented and fast-moving, or they could be relationship-oriented and fast-moving. Uh, the relationship people that are fast-moving, they're talking to you, but while they're talking to you, their eyes are roaming behind you to find somebody else to talk to next in the church foyer. If you've never noticed that little trick, you'll notice it next time for sure now. If they're task-oriented, they're already planning their next task. And then there are people that are just more relaxed about life. They don't get too upset. or They're not lazy. They get lots done, but they just go at it at a more relaxed 
paced. They're a little more methodical if they're task-oriented, or they're just a little bit more, uh, what, considerate if they're relationship. No, that's not true. Whatever. How many of you are kind of quick-moving, go, 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 one thing to another? Would you, would you move your hand? Uh, or move your hand. Would you raise your hand? How many, at least move your hand. How many of you are more um, kind of methodical and slower, just relaxed about? Good. Okay, good. See, now right there, what we just did, that's grounds for a church split. <laughs> right there. That's all you need uh, because we're all different. And it's also grounds for marriage problems, parenting problems, relationship problems. That, that's, that's what it is. So, so um, every personality has a strength and every personality has a corresponding weakness. And that's what I want to uh, hit for just a moment. And then I want to show you something about your prayer life that to me is very, very helpful. So how many of you, um, you were over here, you're uh, quick moving and you're... Um, uh, relationship oriented. Would you raise your hand? You're kind of go, 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 but you're relationship, people oriented. Raise your hand real high. Okay, good. Thank you. Um, that's, that's amazing. Now, uh, Hippocrates, who lived 300 years before Jesus, he called you the sanguines or the sunny personality. You're in quadrant one. How many quadrant ones do we have again? Would you lift your hand? Some of you backslid. Okay. So you're the, the sanguines. We're going to call you the popular people. You're just people-oriented, go, 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 and, and, and always chatting with people and always having fun with people. Kind of your motivation for, for life is, is having fun. Uh, the main strength that these people bring to the church or to a marriage or to a friendship is enthusiasm because they can get enthused over supper. They can get enthused over anything. But they also have a little bit of a weakness, and that weakness is that they can be a little impulsive, uh, they just jump from one thing to another. They jump from one conversation to another, or they jump from one thing to another, and, and that just kind of exhausts some of the rest of us all of the time. But anyway, okay, so again, how many quadrant one popular people? Raise your hand real high. This is going to get important in a minute. Uh, you can't be so spiritual that you don't have a personality. Okay, uh, quadrant two, how many were over here? You're uh, relationship-oriented, but you're a little more relaxed about it. Would you raise your hand? Good, very good. Uh, Hippocrates called you the uh, phlegmatics. Or originally, he thought you had too much phlegm in your body, and that's why you acted like you did. That was true, but he was wrong on the science, but right on the theory. Uh, we're going to call you the peaceful people, and these people, they just love for everybody to get along. They, they love harmony. They, are, they have some of the greatest people skills of all the personalities. They're good negotiators. Uh, they're, they're good counselors. They're good listeners. They're, they're just wonderful. They want everybody to get along. They have a little bit of a, uh, a weakness in that they can be quite reluctant. They're reluctant to commit to anything. Because if they commit to you or if they commit to something or if they commit to a date or whatever, something better might come along later and they don't want to offend you by choosing that. So they just are always reluctant to commit. Procrastination is their best friend. Okay. Uh, all of you peacefuls, would you raise your hand again one more time? Okay. Good, 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 good. Wonderful. Now we know your MO. Okay, so uh, that, that's you. Now they have that uh, strength and weakness. How many of you are up here? You're slower moving, but you're task-oriented. Uh, you're more relaxed about it. You're more methodical, but your tasks are your big thing over relationship. Would you raise your hand? You're in quadrant three. Okay, 
Uh, Hippocrates called you the melancholy people. He thought you had a lot of black bile in your body and it made you the way you are. And we found out he was wrong on the science and, and right on the theory. Uh, we're going to call you the perfect people. And just so you know, we're not calling you the perfect people because you are perfect, but because you want all the rest of us to be perfect according to your definition of perfect. I felt that. Some of you are married to these people. Their greatest strength is accuracy. You, you got to love these people because they always get it right all the time. They're wonderful. You, you want some perfects when you're doing like accounting or, or, or anything with numbers. You want some perfects when you're, you know, designing some kind of building structure. You want perfects to be working on the airplane you're going to be flying on. You, you don't want a bunch of... Uh, Populars working on that airplane. They're screwing in rivets and then they see tacos over there and they're gone. So, so the perfects. So, so they get it right all the time. Their strength is accuracy. They get it right. They have lists and they, they're just amazing. They have a little bit of a weakness in that they're too thorough. You know, everybody else is ready to go. Everybody else is committed. Everybody else is moving and they're still trying to fix something and tweak it so it's just perfect. Um, how many of you do we have here? Would you raise your hand? Good, wonderful, thank you. Uh, how many of you that are married to one of them, would you raise your hand? You're married to a perfect, would you raise your hand? If you need counseling, would you, oh, or, sorry. Okay, and finally, how many of you are up here? Quick moving, but task oriented. Boom, 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 go, go, go. How many of you? Okay. Hippocrates called you um, the choleric. Choler is, uh, choler is an old English word for anger. <laughs> You're the cholerics. We're going to call you the powerful people. Now, the powerful people, they have a great strength that they bring to the church or to their marriage or their friendships, and that's initiative. They're all ready to go and take charge and take initiative and, and whatever. And, and basically, uh, the way these people operate, if you just give them one thing, they're good. They'll never, they'll never cause you a moment's grief if you just give them one thing, and that is control. Just give them control. Nobody dies. It's amazing. So you can imagine that these people have a little bit of a weakness, and that's that they can be a little tiny bit insensitive to other people sometimes. Because while they're forging ahead with their plan, they don't notice the blood on the walls and the bodies left in the ditches as they forge ahead. Okay? Um, so one more time, you have to pick one. You say, I'm so perfectly balanced, I'm a little bit of all of them. No, you're not. That's Jesus, not you. Okay, so pick, pick your quadrant, and I just need a show of hands from everybody. How many of you are populars? Would you raise your hand? Okay. How many of you are peacefuls? Would you raise your hand? Oh, man, we got peace in this church. How many of you are um, perfects? Would you raise your hand? And how many of you are powerfuls? Would you raise your hand? Okay, good. Now, every personality thinks they're the most spiritual personality. You know, the, the, the populars there, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And these people over here are singing, peace, peace. You know, everybody's got their own thing, their own theme scripture, their own theme song, and, and whatever. Uh, this is something that 
uh, I was studying, um, whatever, two or three weeks ago, and this came to me. I, I've, I've kind of danced around the edges of it before in personal study, but every one of those personalities has a particular prayer challenge and a particular prayer preference. And so I'd like to kind of help you uh, think about that. Um, here, here's a couple of things that we know about the personality types. Um, if, if you, how many of you noticed that while we were going through this, you had some traits from one personality and some traits from another personality? Would you raise your hand? Okay, good. Um, now, here's how that works. You can have traits from the quadrant next to you on the chart or the quadrant uh, next to you vertically, vertically or horizontally. For example, um, I'm a, a powerful and I've got a secondary of perfect. That's just awful. It's just terrible. Um, Beverly, she doesn't even live up in that upper quadrant. She lives down here in these two. She's got a primary and a person, uh, a secondary down here. Um, and, and so it's, it's normal to be attracted to somebody that's different than you because you admire their strengths and that's how you get hooked up with them and then that's why you want to kill them later because <laughs> then their differences and their weaknesses come out and uh, that, that's what happens in marriage and friendship and all, all that stuff. So it's normal. So you have a primary personality and a secondary one. Uh, you, can, you normally have traits from the quadrant that's next to you either horizontally or vertically. Almost never do you see traits from, like if, if you're a powerful, almost never do you see traits from a diagonal quadrant. That's called mental illness. Because <laughs> you'll kill yourself. No, I want peace. No, go, go. It just doesn't work. So, so it's normal to have traits from two. So that may be true as we kind of look at this little prayer piece. Uh, so so let's, let's take the personalities. Um, we've got the four of them, and you know your quadrant. And we know roughly our strengths and weaknesses. And that test is so elementary. There are very complex tests you can take. Um, and also, those characteristics are pretty generic. But it gives you an idea of how different we all are. And now I'd like to talk to you about your prayer challenge and your prayer preference. Because I feel like personality and spirituality, they run together. Now let me say this very clearly. You don't get to say, well, my personality just, I, it's, I find it such a challenge. Every personality finds it a challenge to pray for one reason or another. Your reason might be different than somebody else's, but we are commanded and expected to pray. So we have to get over ourselves, get over our challenges, get over our weaknesses, and sometimes even get over our strengths a little bit to pray and rely on God. Uh, so, so let's talk about the popular uh, people first. Uh, how many populars again? Would you raise your hand real high? I want us to learn something. So the first thing of learning would be to figure out which quadrant you're in. Uh, popular, the prayer challenge for populars is that the environment that they're praying in needs to be spontaneous. They have trouble just kind of doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. And it gets very monotonous for them very quick. And so they need a spontaneous environment to pray in. Uh, because when it's just the same, it, it, it really gets boring for them. This, is, uh, th this personality probably leans toward spiritual ADHD more than any other personality type. Uh, th so they need a spontaneous environment. Uh, 
And then their, their prayer preference is they, they need camaraderie when they pray. They want to pray with other people involved. and They want to pray with other people uh, saying the same thing and, and, and going after it. And, and so not every personality is like that. So these people seem to struggle uh, quite a bit with like a personal, private, daily, quiet time because they don't like quiet. And they don't do sitting for a time very well. Uh, because that's not their personality. So, so what would be some things for this personality type that would be helpful? Prayer meeting is helpful for this personality type. When they can come and, and get with other believers that are praying, that helps them pray. Now, for some personalities, prayer meeting is actually, uh, that's not your preference. You'd like to pray alone. You come to prayer meeting out of obedience and because you know it's important to pray in unity, but, but this personality type, they need prayer meeting. Prayer walks are good for this kind of personality type. When they just walk somewhere and pray because they can get alone but still be moving and get alone but still be doing something. Get alone and still be looking at God's creation and so they can be praying along, oh, Jesus, heal so-and-so and Jesus do this. Oh, look, a bird. Jesus. That helps them. And so there's nothing wrong with that. That's the way God wired them. But if that's you, learn your prayer personality so that you can do it well. Um, focused prayer helps these people. Now, now, some people don't like focused prayer. Uh, we, we see you. We see you heading for the door when we start focused prayer. We see you sliding out, pretending you're talking in tongues, heading for the back door, and then you disappear. We know you're not out in the bathroom praying in tongues. We know that you're uncomfortable with focused prayer, and you just kind of cut out. But this personality prayer type, they love focused prayer, and focused prayer helps them because it, it goes from one thing to another. Let's all pray for service tomorrow. Oh, yeah, let's do that. Uh, let, let's all pray for so-and-so in the hospital. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. They love jumping from one thing to another just like I'm doing right now. So that helps them. That's the popular person. Now, the peaceful people, um, Let's talk about this. Uh, peaceful people, they need a harmonious environment to pray, meaning they don't pray well when there's a bunch of drama and tension and, and, and whatever. They kind of have to deal with stuff and get to prayer and, and kind of set that aside. So they've either got to deal with it, get it out of their system, or they've got to deal with it at least enough to kind of put it on the shelf while they pray because they need a harmonious environment to pray in. And also, um, their prayer preference is they want to be able to concentrate when they pray because um, they're so kind and they're so generous with their uh, people skills and with their time with others that that people can infringe on their prayer time and not even mean it. And, and, and furthermore, people just have to be in the room and they can infringe on their prayer time uh, because they're, they're thinking about the needs of others and whatever. So, so for these people, um, there's some things that help them. Music helps them pray. A lot of people that are peaceful, uh, music helps them pray because it puts a barrier between them and, and all the distraction and the needs of people. Uh, headphones help these people pray a lot. Uh, and, and, and by the way, we're not offended if you bring your headphones to prayer. Just don't be listening to ACDC on your... <laughs> Listen to some spiritual. Um, don't be listening to talk radio. Don't be checking Facebook, but, but if you need music to pray, we're not offended. That's why we actually run a music track during our prayer meeting, because it helps this particular uh, personality. They need to be able to concentrate when they pray. Uh, a lot of times, these people prefer a private place to pray. 
Um, there are um, phlegmatic or peaceful people that they really get freaked out in the altar with everybody kind of piling on, and uh, that's not their preference. And so um, we, need to be, we need to recognize that. And if that's you, you need to do what you need to do so you can have an effective prayer life. You don't have to do it like everybody else. You just need to pray. You don't have to pray like me or like Pastor Jack or like anybody else in the room. You just have to figure out what works for you. Um, how many of the peacefuls do we have? Would you raise your hand again? So that might be helpful to you. How many perfects do we have in the room? All you perfect people, would you raise your hand? Nobody wants to raise their hand. I have like four over there. Okay, uh, perfect people. Here's the thing with them, and I've got some of this in my personality. Their environment needs to be optimal or ideal when they pray. Uh, they, they don't do well with chaos and clutter and, and just, you know, they, they don't do well with that. So they prefer an optimal environment to pray. Um, and their, their need, uh, their, their, uh, that's their challenge. Their environment needs to be optimal. But their preference is a routine. These people do really, really well if they have a regular place to pray, a regular time to pray, and, and all of that. They do well with routine, and they do well with having an, an optimal environment. It's really good if they set up their perfect environment to pray. A prayer closet, a prayer chair, a prayer place, that works really well for them. Uh, these people do really, really well, uh, by the way, with prayer lists. Some people, like the, the populars, it's like, list, I lost it. But these people do really, really well with a prayer list or even a prayer app. There are many of them, prayer app on your phone. Um, these people, out of all the personalities, do really well with what we call a prayer track. Uh, we've talked about that here. Uh, Pastor Mangan's written the book, Praying Through the Tabernacle. That's a prayer track. Um, going through the Lord's Prayer and praying over every topic. That's a prayer track. Putting on the armor of God, praying about every topic. That's a prayer track. These kind of people do really, really well with a prayer track or a prayer um, kind of a, a, a routine of prayer. And, and some people say, well, a routine of prayer, that's legalistic. It's not legalistic unless you're not really praying. But if you're really praying over those topics, it's a good thing to help you keep on track. This personality pre prefers that. Uh, prayer apps, prayer tracks, and they like a specific place and time for praying. How many of you perfects? One more time. Would you raise your hand? That might be helpful to you. And finally, uh, all of the powerfuls in the room, would you raise your hand? My people. Uh, powerfuls. Here's the thing about powerfuls. Powerfuls are always going after something that they think is very important and they think is, is of consequence. So for them, the environment needs to be consequential or, or they, they just have a struggle to pray. They get really, really kind of disconnected when we're praying over, oh goodness, Aunt Martha's sore toe. If you've got an Aunt Martha and her toe is sore, I humbly apologize to you. But they don't do well with that. You know what they want to pray over? They want to pray over missionaries. They want to pray over, let's change our city. They want to pray over, God send revival. They want to pray over something that they feel is consequential. And so we need the balance of all the personality types, but they, they kind of disconnect. They need a rationale for their prayer, that their prayer is going to matter. And, and, you know, sometimes prayer requests in some churches are really just a public service announcement to tell us why Aunt Martha isn't here. Pray for Aunt Martha. She's got the flu. 
that's just to let us know that Aunt Martha's not going to be here tonight. Did I really say that out loud or did I think that? Oh, yeah, I said that out loud. Okay. These people need a rationale to pray. It needs to be of consequence. So for them, if, you want, if you're this kind of person, pray the scripture. Get in your Bible, get in the book of Psalms, get in the epistles, get in the gospels, and read and pray the scripture because scripture is always of consequence. If, if this is you, get some missionaries and some missionary needs and get a list, World Network of Prayer, WNOP.com. Com.org, I can't remember. WNOP, World Network of Prayer. They can fill your inbox with missionary needs every day of the week. And you can pray something that matters and something that you feel is of consequence. And so these are the personalities. No personality is wrong. No prayer personality is wrong. And furthermore, you have a primary prayer personality and a secondary prayer personality. So don't you dare leave this lesson and say, well, I'm just so messed up in prayer, I just think I'll give up. No, you don't get a pass. Jesus said, when you pray. So figure out your weaknesses, figure out your strengths, and when you go to prayer, take that information. I hope this Bible study has helped you. And as a church, we're going to keep trying to accommodate all prayer types in our prayer meetings and in our prayer events. That's why we pray over missionaries. That's why we have quiet times of prayer. That's why we have focused prayer. That's why we have smaller prayer meetings and a whole church prayer meeting. We're trying to accommodate every kind of person because all God's people need to pray. Amen. And I hope some of that is helpful to you. If that is helpful to you, uh, Eric helped me. And if you go to RaymondWoodward.com slash prayer in your internet browser, you can find that little chart right there and it might be helpful to you. RaymondWoodward.com slash prayer. If you don't know what an internet browser is, forget I just said that. Would you stand with me tonight? This is not about how we do corporate prayer. Corporate prayer, we're all here together and we're all praying the way we pray. This is about how you do individual prayer. It is wonderful to belong to a praying church. It is not enough to belong to a praying church. It is wonderful to belong to a worshiping church. It is not enough to belong to a worshiping church. It is wonderful to belong to an apostolic church. It is not enough to belong to an apostolic church. We have to take what we do collectively and what we do corporately, and we have to transfer that back to what we're doing individually. Church only happens a handful of times a week, but your prayer life needs to happen every day, sometime, someplace, somewhere, because other than that, we're just showing up and doing religion like a bunch of other people do. Would you lift up your hands and lift up your voice and let's talk to Jesus for just a moment before we dismiss and go our way tonight. Lord God, I thank you, Jesus, for all of your people. I thank you for the diversity that's here in the body of Christ. I thank you, Jesus, for all the people that are so faithful in their personal prayer and so faithful to prayer meetings here at the church. But Jesus, I hope this lesson, that you'll use it, God, to stir up our pure minds by way of 
remembrance, that you'd stir up something in our spirit that just kind of agitates and nags at us and says, you need to do better in your personal prayer life. Jesus, I ask you to do that for me and all the pastors and all the leaders and all the saints of God. Jesus, we want to be an apostolic praying powerful church filled with the miraculous, filled with your presence and seeing signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. So God help us to figure out how best to do prayer on our own so that we can be a praying church seven days a week and not just a couple of days a week. I pray it in your name. Bless your people. I know they will respond to your word because they love your word, and I bless them in the name of Jesus. Everyone say amen. amen. I hope Bible study's been helpful to you tonight. Bible study is where we learn how to live for God.